This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Seriani, I'm a second-generation shop owner, and I'm here to answer your questions about your car. What I'm having is a low oil pressure in the morning on my 2007 Chevy Silverado. I'm calling you about a 2008 Chrysler Aspen. Saturday is 11 till 1. Calling about a 91 Chevy. I'm the third owner. The KTSA Automotive Show with Louis Seriani, presented by BG Products, part of a DIY or not Saturday. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Can you see by the dawn's early light? Oh, so proudly we hailed at the twilight that's gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright. for breaking news. U.S. news, world news, everything. And where news breaks. we got breaking news happening this morning. You don't want to turn away from us at all. This is the 550 KTSA Morning News with Trey Ware. Now on FM 1071. And it's Funky Friday. Red. Yeah. Remember everyone deployed. Mm. Bringing the funk to you for Funky Friday. Good morning at 210. 599-5555, 599-5555, There's Elaine, there's Jimmy, and there's Don, and we got a lot to do today. And as we're tossing this stuff at you, you can call in anytime you want to and comment on it at 210-599-5555. i got a personal story to share with you a little bit later on, something that happened in my life yesterday I want you to know about. I'll do that after 530. Um, and then coming up after 6 this morning, speaking of my personal life, a man who discipled me and mentored me in my Christian walk, Bob Lapine, is going to join us and we're going to talk about the new jesus revolution movie that is coming and we're talking about the jesus revolution between 6 and 6 30 this morning and then at 6 35 we're going to hear from the san antonio chamber of commerce about this uh, city charter i'm very concerned about how it's going to affect business in san antonio and the surrounding area and i want to find out more about how the san antonio chamber of commerce uh, intends uh, on dealing with it well, there's new video out today of that uh, drunk driving crash last year that killed Alex Cervantes, the off-duty detective over in Euless, uh, killed him and injured his wife and kids. And the drunk driver who tried to run, uh-uh, no, you don't, oh, no. There is a good Samaritan, and the new video is that the good Samaritan chasing him down, tackling him, holding him until the, more of that. More of that, America. Wake up. 
All right, so we're one year into the Ukrainian war with Russia. Our war, it's not the Ukrainian war, it's our, uh, it's our war with Russia. It's a proxy war that Ukraine is fighting on our behalf with Russia. What do you think? It's the one-year anniversary. Got any comments about it? 210-599-5555. Uh, China has taken the lead now, and they are calling for peace. They're calling for peace, and they have a peace plan that they have put forward taking the lead now joe biden hasn't called for peace in fact overnight if you missed it joe biden added another two billion dollars i hear he's going to add blackhawk helicopters to this as well i i don't have any official confirmation on that but that's what i'm hearing 500 million dollars on tuesday going two billion dollars more went today so here's where we're at we're at approximately 120 billion u.s taxpayer dollars and I can run through the list with you about what we're doing. It's three times more than what we spent in Afghanistan in a year. So it's a pretty heavy commitment. <laughs> pretty heavy. It is the heaviest commitment we've ever made. And you're talking about all the Javelin anti-armor systems. You're talking about Patriot air defense batteries. You're talking about helicopters and so on and so forth. The Bradley infantry fighting vehicles and all this stuff has got to be manned by somebody who knows how to use it, right? Okay, so you know. The Ukrainian military, I guess they're using some of the stuff, but they don't know how to operate all this equipment. They weren't trained in the years and years and years. Largest donors of military aid to Ukraine, the United States, military aid is about $50 billion. The next closest is the U.K. at $5 billion. See, this has always been my issue with this. Military aid from the U.S. so far is at about $50 billion. The next closest is the U.K. at 5 the EU, the European Union at three, Poland at two, Germany at two, Italy, 700,000. No, I'm, I'm sorry, 700 million. France, 700 million. Uh, that's their backyard. <laughs> Why are we at 50 billion? And the next closest is the UK at 5 billion and everybody else at a pittance. Why, why is that? And then Ukraine gets $50 billion from us. Israel gets $3 billion from us. Afghanistan, $2 billion. Egypt, $1 billion. Iraq, hardly anything at all. And the military, financial, and humanitarian aid, when you put it all together, we're, again, at about $150 billion so far. The EU's only at about 30 That's the entire total European Union. It just seems to me that that's their backyard and they should be doing more. Why are we doing all the heavy lifting for this and supplying all the military equipment? And, you know, I got a hunch that they can't operate that stuff without us. When you're talking about all the U.S. armaments that they have there, and it's incredible the amount of stuff that we have sent. Um, somebody's got to operate that stuff. But anyway, I'm just curious. You know, we're a year into the, the, the war that we're fighting with Russia as a proxy war with Ukraine. What do you think about that? 210-599-5555-210-599-5555. Pete Buttigieg, as we told you yesterday, snuck over to East Palestine, took a look around, wore his dress shoes. <laughs> no. I'm not kidding. I mean, that's. That, I guess that's a little side thing. But he wore his dress shoes while he was there. Uh, that's kind of a cheap shot, I guess. But optics matter, you know. His press secretary, Carrie Arndt, she refused to go on camera. She's a press secretary, right? She's supposed to go on camera. That's your job. She's being paid by you to go on camera. Yeah, turn the camera off. Don't 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 ask me any questions. Pete Booty said the same thing. He he started to run, and he turns to the people around him. He says, um, "Get the let's go inside and get away from these people." <laughs> The, the, the press is asking him questions. Oh, yeah, and and a little slip of the tongue. Cut number four, Jimmy. Um, he he kind of lost his, well, he, he was trying to speak extemporaneously. Listen to this. Both information and misinformation injected into this situation, none of which is to the benefit of the community uh, when it comes to that misinformation. Did Norfolk or So I think... So I lost my train of thought. Um. <laughs> I lost his train of thought. Uh, okay, and cut one from KJP yesterday. She was at the podium back at the White House and was talking about the president. Okay, so today, as you all saw just an hour or so ago, President Obama announced that, pardon me, President Biden. Whoa. <laughs> that is news. <clears throat> President Obama. 
Um, she got that right, by the way. That's what you call a Freudian slip. Um, that's not that's not wrong. She's not wrong. Okay, it's Obama and Rice who's been running the country for a third term through a mannequin, <laughs> a walking corpse of a man. That's what's been going on, and that's where we are. Okay, uh, quick break. When we come back, I, I have not been following. I'm not one of these people that follows all these murder cases and everything, but I did watch all the Murdoch stuff yesterday, and we'll talk about that coming up. Trey Ware, KTSA. Constant tooth pain is no fun at all. If- I definitely put that in a funky class. What do you think? Huh? Like that? tell you the biggest funk I, I guess i found recently was something that's super old it's old school but i just found it last year and i don't even know how maybe it just came up in my feet or something or maybe you turned me on to it i don't know there's fish with boogie on reggae woman that's that's funk right there yeah, they man. do a good job for that. white boys yeah from vermont <laughs> is that where they're from? They're from Vermont. Yeah. You gotta be kidding me! No, that's for the white boys from Vermont getting funky like that, and yeah. all nerds. Are they really? Oh yeah. yes, they're they're smart nerdy dudes. Even the yeah. bass player, uh-huh. oh yeah, because he's the one that funks it up. Yep. I mean, when you listen to that the the, the live version, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll pull that up I'll and look, look for it. Yeah. They the, are a, the live version. They are four Ben and Jerry's eating geeks. <laughs> yep. And, uh, <laughs> really? But, they, but yes. they they can play. Oh my gosh! I was just yeah. blown away last year when I came across it. So let's add that to the Funky Friday rotation. All right. yeah, and really uh, they got a live version that's really loud and down in your face, and and the bass player does all the funk. What well, what Stevie did on the piano and the and the keyboards right. he does on the bass yeah it's ridiculous no they're, they're a great band <sighs> so i don't really watch much in the terms of these you know true crime and all that if, if it's a saturday night and i'm laying in the bed about to crash out which is right around 7 p.m on a saturday <laughs> mr excitement hey, that's, where? that's staying up late yeah um I, I'll I'll watch what is that show on NBC they do the 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 crime show the real crime show that they do Dateline or whatever they call that I don't know I don't, I don't whatever know. they call that I'll watch that every once in a while but I did watch this Murdoch thing yesterday did you get any time to watch that I know no. you were busy no I, I you know what I the only time I ever look at a TV is when I'm here well I don't blame you because it's right in front of me yeah I don't blame you I don't know who that is in the middle but uh, she used to work here. That's Ashley. She's oh, okay. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She used to work here at Ken's. Well, no, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't ever follow this stuff. So I, you know, a, apparently he's accused of and on trial for execution style killings of his wife and son. Right. Right. Yeah. And the details are really gory and ugly. So I'm not going to get into them at 5:22 in the radio when people are eating oatmeal. But um, I, it's really bad. Really bad stuff. And um, so they put him on the stand, which is a rarity when you're talking about murder defendants, right? You rarely put a murder defendant on the stand because they're probably going to say something under cross-examination. Or if they're facing a real good prosecutor, they're going to go crazy. They're going to to get them. There's tricks that they use, right? Right. I had to sit on the stand on a case one time. It was a car crash, and... I ended up suing the uh, insurance company, and w- w- which in Texas, by the way, just a little diversion on the side. In Texas, that's really a screwy deal because they can't. You can't say you're suing the insurance company. You're suing the person, right? Right, and yeah. that's what the jury sees is you're suing this other person, and that's wrong because it was the insurance company that wasn't paying. Right, yeah. they were refusing to pay. But anyway, another story altogether. It's just weird to sit on a stand under oath like that. And so this guy went up there yesterday, and I guess he continues again today. And it was a stroke of genius as far as I can tell. Now, I'm no court, you know, lawyer, jury, I, I don't know. But it seems to me from everything that I've read and watched about this case, he was convicted before the trial ever began. It was like, done deal. Mm-hmm. They had him pick the first juror. And this guy's done. He's toast. He's going to prison the rest of his life. That's it. It's over with. But they put him up there to, it looks like, and I was reading some stuff from some other court experts, trial experts, they put him up there to humanize him because they had pretty much, the prosecution before the trial ever began made a monster out of him. I mean, you know, his son was shot in such a fashion that, oh God, here I go, brains were like yards from the body, okay? And it's horrible when you think about that. 
So yesterday during his testimony, you know, he cried and all that kind of stuff, which humanized him to the jury to a certain degree. But he also said, I would never intentionally do anything to hurt either one of them ever, ever. So remember, the standard is beyond a reasonable doubt. Right. Okay. But it's that one word. Intentionally. Yeah. Because now what he's done is he has introduced to maybe all he's got to have is one juror, one of 12, mm-hmm. one of 12, that goes, well, maybe it wasn't intentional. Yeah. Maybe it was a screw-up. Mm-hmm. Maybe he accidentally did it. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe. And so putting him on the stand yesterday humanized him from monster to human being because he cried and there was snot running down his face and all that kind of stuff. But it also uh, opened the door for a lesser charge. You know what I'm saying? Right. Instead of first-degree murder, go away for the rest of your life. Maybe it's second or third degree, or maybe it's manslaughter, and you do 12 years or 15 years, and you're out. Now, he, his family is a prominent South Carolina family, Yeah. and they were the prosecutors in that county from 1920 with his great-grandfather mm-hmm. through his grandfather, his dad himself, and they lasted from 1920 to 2006 as the chief prosecutors for that county. So right. he knows how to prosecute. Yeah. There's been a bunch of weird stuff in this case. One expert said he's too tall to have done the murders. Then he has his uh, drug addiction. He's lying to the police. He, This is all over the map. So that was the other thing that he did yesterday. He said that he stole millions of dollars from his law firm, and it doesn't exist anymore because he built millions from his clients the law firm is very successful very successful and he built it all for an opioid addiction which was huge too because that also made mm-hmm. him look like you know i did it you know i i, I did this i right. i screwed up a lot of lives i stole from my clients i had an opioid addiction i was paranoid uh i ruined a, a law practice totally destroyed it that law firm doesn't exist anymore because of what i did all that was my actions and a prosecutor, you could tell, was getting frustrated because he couldn't get him to break and and come off of his story. And the prosecutor, later in the day, when everybody was tired, started screaming at him. And he just kept doing what he was doing and what he'd been doing all day long. So I don't know. I, I Look, I, I don't know if he did it or if he didn't do it. All I know is everything that I have read and everything that I've watched on this, and I watched the entire thing, yeah, all of it yesterday, and I'm like you. I barely turn the TV on at home. But when it's a news thing, the news... I mean, Fox went wall-to-wall, didn't even do commercials. It was like a 9-11 attack. Almost. I'm not comparing him to 9-11, but right. what I'm saying is yeah. they just went so wall-to-wall. Coverage, wall, but no, coverage right. was just all day. And when they took a break in the courtroom, they would go to experts and talk about it. So, I mean, it was they were seriously committed to it yesterday. And we'll see how it all turns out, but it was, you know, in most cases, you don't want to put the defendant up there is what I hear, but this guy looked like he did a pretty good job to me. And that's why they went wall-to-wall with it, because of that, you know, because of the situation. Didn't want to miss it. But but they brought him up. They were anticipating high drama, which is exactly what they got. They got it. They got good ratings yesterday. They did. And I I always, when I do see something like this, like like the Johnny Depp thing, I watched a few days of the Johnny Depp thing, so we could talk about it on the air. Remember, we were talking about it, and we were talking about it with Sean and everything. He's a big fan. And so I wanted to make sure I knew what I was talking about. So I watched it pretty intensely. Um, I always try to put myself in the juror's box. You know, I'm one of those people that sits there and goes, okay, what would I be hearing? And what I heard from this guy yesterday would probably create a a little, at least a little bit of reasonable doubt in my mind. Mm -hmm. At least a little bit. So anyway. All right, we'll take a break here for the news. When we come back on the other side, do masks actually keep you? I saw some people yesterday. In the middle of the street, nobody around them, two people wearing masks on the corner of a street. And I also want to share my story from yesterday, where I was and what I did. We'll do that coming up. Trey Ware, KTSA. Hey, Trey Ware here. Steven's roofing. Updates. Just tell your smart device to play KTSA. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Give me some Diana Ross funk. Mm. That's right. Lady Blue. Out. 
featuring Stevie Wonder on the drums. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he says he played drums on Sir Duke. That's what he claims. I don't know. I have no idea. He's actually a really good at that. Uh, yeah, drums? Yeah, I don't doubt it. <laughs> I bet he is. A lot is. of his earlier, you know, that, that time where he came along in the early 70s when he decided he was going to go and do his own thing, yeah. be part of the Motown machine. He played drums, too? He did it all. Yeah. I, I, I'll never forget two stories. One from Shaq saying, he, you know, he got on the elevator to, at their building. They live in the same building together. Right. And he got on the elevator, and Stevie was on the elevator. It was just the two of them. And Shaq didn't say anything to him. Punched a button, and Stevie turns and said, Hi, Shaq. Now, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on now. And the other one was, um, oh, gosh, Eddie Murphy. Have you ever seen Eddie Murphy talk about Stevie? Yeah. He said they're driving down a road together, and <laughs> Stevie's sitting in the seat next to him going, Hey, man, I'm so great. My music's great. Great. I'm wonderful. I'm great. I'm great. And Stevie uh, or Eddie said, You take the wheel and you drive if you think you're so great. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> anyway. That's always been one of those rumors about Stevie, though. Right. It's that he can see a little. Yes. You know? And that's what Shaq, Shaq yeah. swears to it. Shaq will swear to that. Yeah. So I have no idea. All right. So the first presidential primary debate is to going to be held in uh, in August. Uh, August in Milwaukee. That's where the RNC is going to have their convention. The 2024 Republican National Convention is going to be up there. Elaine, are we going to go? Is that the plan that we're going to the Republican convention this year? Okay. Or in 2024. No other debates have been scheduled so far. Some of the names, Trump and Haley. And then you've got Pence and Pompeo and Scott and DeSantis. And then you got Ramaswamy. I love Ramaswamy. I just, I just I want him to do something in the administration, the future administration, so I can say Secretary Ramaswamy. Hello, Vice President Ramaswamy is on the phone. I love that. And then Steve Laffey. I like that one too. They see the Republicans have all the best names. You know what I'm saying? Ramaswamy, Laffey. Anyway, so those are the guys in the first debates coming up in August. Um, New York Times has written a piece. Welcome to the game, New York Times. The mask did nothing. Will any lessons be learned? Now, in my upcoming segment, I'm going to talk about something yesterday that uh, went through. But uh, yesterday, when I went to this location, um, standing on the court, it's, it's in a neighborhood. Nobody's around. Nobody. It's in the middle of the day. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. There's nobody anywhere around but two people standing there with masks on. I still see people driving in cars all alone, nobody in the car with them, and they got a mask on. And finally, the New York Times writes what we've all known to be a fact. Masks don't work. I say that like Joe Biden. There's no evidence that the masks make any difference. Full stop, according to New York Times now. But wait, hold on. What about N95 mask? No. Makes no difference. I've been saying this now for three years, guys. Three years, and what do they do? They made us put a diaper on our face and walk around looking silly, looking stupid. Why? Control. And Anthony Fauci told you it was control early on. But yet he pushed it, and they all pushed, and they all made you wear it wherever you went. He put him, I put your mask on, said Fauci, and you got to put a mask on wherever you go. It did any, didn't do any good now. All the science, all the evidence, and even now the New York crimes says so. Mass mandates were a fool's errand from the start, said the New York crimes. They did nothing to advance safety itself. The Cautrain report should be the final nail in this particular coffin. It won't be because, you know why? Because they've conditioned people. It was about control. They wanted to control you, and they still do. Also this week, researchers examined the efficacy of local COVID vaccine mandates, and guess what they found out? Didn't do any good. Quote, these mandates impose severe restrictions on the lives of many citizens and business owners. New study conducted by George Mason University's Mercatus Center. Yet we find no evidence that the mandates were effective in their intended goals of reducing COVID-19 cases and deaths. None. We find no evidence that the announcement or implementation of indoor vaccine mandates in the sta in the cities listed had any significant effect on vaccine uptake, COVID-19 cases, or COVID-19 deaths, and on and on and on and on and on it goes. Why did they do it? Well, because they wanted to control you. Why did they lock your kid up at home? Because they wanted to control your kid. 
This was all two years that we spent destroying businesses, destroying lives, destroying children's futures, all for control. You see, if you're going to institute an authoritarian Chinese communist type government in the United States, you have to control people. You have to get them used to. You have to really get in their minds and teach them that the that the state is all powerful. The government, if the government tells you to do it, you have to do it. You have to abide by whatever they say. And that means if you got to put a diaper on your face, regardless of whether it does any good, or you got to get a shot in your arm, regardless of whether it does any good, and now we know it doesn't. And now even the New York Crimes are saying it doesn't do any good. Even they are admitting it. They knew that then. Fauci said so at the beginning of this. But they had to control the American citizens so that... When they come full force with the Chinese-type government here, the authoritarian government, and they're working on it, that's what we're going to talk about with defunding the police and demoralizing the police. You've heard me talk about that, so they can put in a national police force. All this is coming. This is not. This is out of the realm of tinfoil hat, Alex Jones, conspiracy theorist stuff anymore. It's out of that now, and it's moved into reality. We are dealing with reality here. And so... Even the New York Crimes is now admitting that they had masked did nothing. COVID mandates, the, the shots did nothing to stop or arrest or slow down COVID. So the next time they demand that, they, that you put a diaper on your face, you keep that in mind. The next time they tell you to keep your kids locked up in their back bedroom on a computer screen all day, Keep that in mind. Back in a minute, Trey Ware, KTSA. This is Mark Sadaski for Mark Sadaski Jewelry. With Trey Ware, appear courtesy of the Stevens Roofing Newsmaker Hotline. It's Funky Friday. Funky Friday with Cool and the Gang. We got all kinds of funk for you this morning. It's also Red Friday. Where you read today, remember everyone deployed. Um, Trey Ware here. It's 550 at KTSA. Real quick here, uh, uh, Kristen Tips hollered at uh, Elaine earlier to let her know that the Red's funeral is going to be Monday, 10 a.m., the Tobin uh, Center. A celebration of a life well-lived, and everybody is welcome to come. So please come. That's Monday, 10 a.m. at the Tobin. And it's all to celebrate the life of a great man and a great leader for San Antonio, a man who touched so many lives and helped so many people. That's Monday at 10 a.m. at the Tobin. And uh, I hope to see you there. And uh, it's going to be wonderful. It's, uh, he was one heck of a, one heck of a man and uh, family to me and in so many ways. And I've recounted those ways this week since his passing. And um, I'm still pushing for the, for the airport change, Red McCombs International Airport at San Antonio. Um, I, I hope somebody, some of these guys down at the city council, I hope they'll get their head on straight and put that in and get it done. We Quit messing around. There's no reason to stop. There's no reason to let this go away. And if you feel like calling your city council person to push in that, I would appreciate that very much because he deserves to have the airport named after him. The Red McCombs International Airport at San Antonio is what our airport should be called. Anyway, on Monday, February 27th at 10 a.m. at the Tobin Center, uh, there will be a celebration of his life and remembering of uh, of Red McCombs. A couple of real quick things here. Uh, I'm going to share with you a story about something I, I saw and was involved in yesterday. And then after 6 o'clock, we're going to talk Jesus. That's coming up after 6. So Texas Governor Greg Abbott, as, as Don had the story already this week, has put together a task force to combat these uh, street takeovers like what we saw in Austin last week, like what we've seen here in San Antonio. It is absolutely ridiculous and uh, th that this is allowed to go on. And you heard me earlier this week calling for the confiscation of the vehicles. Confiscation and destruction. <laughs> Not just the confiscation, but the confiscation and destruction. And I heard from people on both sides, and I get it. I get the arguments on both sides, all right? Uh, people who agree with me and the people who disagree with me saying, hey, well, what if that's my kid who takes my car and goes down there? Well, yeah, you better make sure your kid doesn't take your car and go down there. But, you know, that's hard to do sometimes, too. So I get it. I understand everybody on both sides of it. So the task force, listen to this. It almost sounds like 
Greg listens to the show. The governor listens to the show, which we know he does. And so does his wife. Listen to this. The task force goal is to seize the vehicles, weapons, and drugs and make felony arrests resulting in serious prison time. I said that the other day. (laughs) That's good. Despite the foolish attempts by some local officials to defund and demoralize our brave law enforcement officers. How many times have you heard me use the, the term demoralize? Texas is and remains a law and order state. We must send a clear message that these reckless, coordinated criminal events will not be tolerated in Texas. The statewide task force will work closely with local officials and law enforcement to investigate, prosecute, and prevent these dangerous street takeovers. Way to go, Gov. Love it. Absolutely love it. So let me talk about law enforcement real quick. Yesterday, I accompanied a couple of Bear County constables. I won't call their name, but I, I accompanied a couple of Bear County uh, constables on a uh, eviction, something they do all the time because we have a huge problem here. It's not just here, but we have a huge problem here with illegal aliens coming across the border. And what they do <coughs> is they look for advertisements in the in the newspaper and other places about availability or vacancies, right? And then they go there, and they gain entry in some shape, form, or fashion. And then they set up house. And then they become what the state calls squatters. And I've got friends who own apartment buildings, and they deal with this all the time because in an apartment situation, you advertise vacancy, vacancy, vacancy. Well, they come. They Here they come, man. And they don't pay. They're just a squatter. They move in. And the laws in Texas, and I think it's true elsewhere, are so stupid, mindless. They're written to protect the squatter, not the landowner. So it costs the landowner millions and, well, not millions, but thousands of dollars, a lot of time. And then they got to go move the stuff out. The house is junked. The apartment is trashed. And you got to rebuild the thing at the cost of thousands or tens of thousands, or in some cases, when you talk about apartments, hundreds of thousands of dollars in repair because the border's wide open it's biden's fault border's wide open and all these people are coming in they're doing that they're squatting in these houses so i went on one i went on an eviction yesterday and the bravery of these bear county constables is unbelievable i I walked we, we parked at the end of the street and then i walked down there with them and then they asked me to stay behind the truck there because there were dogs in the yard three pit bulls and a german shepherd the german shepherd was tied up pit bulls were allowed to run free the pit bulls were no problem. The German Shepherd was a problem. But the the constables, man, in all their bravery, now, they're armed, and they've got the bulletproof vests on, but they still have parts that are exposed. They're hollering police while walking up to that house, not knowing who is in that house, knowing that in the past they had been told that there had been, uh, you know, uh, encounters with police in that house, like possible drug running and possible prostitution. And they still, man, they walked up to that house in a brave manner, hollering, police, 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 and uh, and gained entry and, and brought one of the people out, and the others had already, I guess, gotten a tip, and they were gone. And then they walked through that house in a very brave fashion and, and cleared that house out. Now, that's what our law enforcement does. And unfortunately, every once in a while, you hear that, yeah, they lose their lives or they're they're injured while doing that. My point in telling you the story, I saw it with my own eyes. Just I saw their bravery. I saw their skill. I saw how hard these guys work. And then they left this appointment after an hour and went on to another appointment to do the exact same thing. They kind of live their lives doing this. They don't deserve to be demoralized the way this city's leadership is trying to demoralize them by making crime pay, which is exactly what the new city charter is going to do. We've been through that this week. Well, coming up at 635, I'm going to ask the San Antonio Chamber of Commerce, do they support the the charter change, which makes crime against business legal, legal to do it? Or are they against it? That's coming up at 635. New Jesus movie coming out today. I'm really excited about this, and we're going to find out more from a great friend and mentor and a man who discipled me in my early Christian life. Coming up next, Trey Ware, KTSA. Hey, Trey Ware here, Stevens Roofing for Funky Friday. <laughs> and it's Red Friday, too. Wear your red today to remember everyone deployed. 
Happy Friday to you. 605 Trey Ware, 550 KTSA FM 1071, the Trey Ware page, KTSA.com. I've shared with you many times over the past couple of months how I've been super excited to learn about this uh, Jesus Revolution movie that uh, opens up today. I don't know why or how that happened, but a couple of years ago, I, I started to do this really deep dive into the hippie movement in California. And I even went to hate Ashbury and walked around there and started to study um, you know, the whole Jesus freak uh, movement and all of that. And started to learn about the personalities who were involved in the Jesus revolution and so on. And lo and behold, after I read, read some books by Greg Laurie and, of course, Chuck Smith, I'd known about him for a very long time, and then Lonnie Frisbee, I started to learn more and more and more about all this stuff. And uh, lo and behold, there's a movie coming out today uh, all about that. Really very cool. So I can't wait to see it. But I wanted to talk to somebody who was, you know, would really be an authority on that. And since Greg Laurie is so busy right now and he's out in California, which is, what, 4 o'clock in the morning over there now, it's been very difficult to try to get in touch with him. I, I really thought about one person and one person only, and I just want to, I'm not going to make this about myself. I want to make it about him in, in this introduction. When I was here in the mid-1980s, about 1986 or so, I had a series of, of uh, crisis events that were happening here, and it was all God, and he ended up putting me at KSLR with Bob Lapine. Bob was the general manager over there, a voice and a name that is very familiar to many of you. And um, it was the right thing at the right time, and God knew it because I needed somebody to disciple me. I needed a mentor. I needed a father in the faith. And he definitely was that. We spent every day together, and he taught me so much about the faith and about the Bible. And uh, I learned so much at, at the feet of this man. At KSLR, then he went on to Family Life, and he was the voice of Family Life for so long. He's an author and a pastor now in Little Rock, Arkansas. He's the voice of the Alistair Begg ministry as well. On top of that, he's a husband, he's a dad, he's a granddad. Other than that, he's pretty much an underachiever and doesn't do a whole heck of a lot with his life. Bob Lapine is on the Stevens Roofing Newsmaker Hotline. <laughs> When do you have time to breathe? <laughs> <laughs> I'm exhausted just hearing you talk about me. <laughs> I bet you are. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. It's been a minute. Great to talk to you. A lot of lot of the water under the bridge over the last thirty years, but uh, I'm I'm so proud of you and and uh, the great job you've done at KTSa and the San Antonio Broadcaster Hall of Fame. Man, you are. Uh, I'm just uh, really proud of all that you've done over the years. Well, your influence in my life, both uh, in radio, but more importantly, spiritually, I can't count the ways, Bob. And I just uh, I want to publicly acknowledge that and say thank you. My foundation of faith was laid by Bob Lapine and leading wow. me to some wonderful biblical teachers and then teaching me himself. Sometimes it's just over lunch over at Mencius, and uh, we would just <laughs> sit there and have some Chinese food, and then we'd just talk. And that's yeah. that's how you did it. And, and that kind of leads to our discussion this morning about the Jesus Revolution movie and all that. I remember, Bob, I, I, I'm old enough to remember the hippies uh, that would be up and down IH-35 thumbing it, and my dad making comments about him because he didn't think much of him, you know. Uh, but I don't know how it happened, as I said in the intro, but I, I just got interested in it a couple years ago, started to read everything I could read about it, even went to Haight-Ashbury to see where actually it started with a guy by the name of Ted Wise in the coffeehouse movement out there, didn't it? Yeah, it, it did. And it, it's very interesting that uh, that we look back on that now because living through it, you know, I'm I'm old enough to – to have kind of firsthand knowledge of, of what was going on. Yeah. In 1969, 1970, very troubling times. In fact, our culture today feels a lot like what was going on back in the late 60s and the early 70s when there were, there were bombings, there was violence, there were riots and protests, and there was a generational divide between the young and the old. And, and the hippie movement people saying, uh, I'm done with culture the way that uh, that you older folks think it should be done. Bob Dylan saying the times they are changing, and in the midst of that, what what the the movie uh, it portrays, and I've had a chance to see the film. Uh, it, it's it's really a, a a great movie and a great portrait of what was going on in the 70s. In the midst of that, along came a move of God in in the lives of a lot of young people who were looking for, they, they were saying, yeah, we don't want life as it is. You know, we, we want a revolution. And, and 
God came in and said, I'll show you what a real revolution looks like. I'll show you how your life could be changed for good. And that's what this movie portrays, the Jesus movement. It, it made the cover of Time magazine. Yeah. It was a phenomenal. It was a revival that was happening in, in 1970. Okay, so it was of God then. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you have to look back on that. There's so many people whose lives today, they would say that, that was where my life got turned around. Um, that, that things happening on college campuses, people who who came to faith in the midst of that, and and moves of God that were happening. So yeah, I think I think we have to say God was in the middle of. It. Now it was messy, yeah, and there, there was a lot. You know, there's a lot of stuff you'd look back on and go, boy, that doesn't sound like God. Mm-hmm. That's just because human beings were involved, and things get messy when humans get involved. Well, and He can take uh, the trashy stuff and make good stuff out of it. <laughs> he does that with humans exactly. all the time, right? And exactly. so. Um, let's talk about some of the, the personalities because the movie itself, I haven't seen it. I'm going to go see it this weekend, but, uh, you know, Greg Laurie had a big part of that. Um, obviously working with you at KSLR, I knew of Chuck Smith and I knew of Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. And for our listeners who may not be familiar with all of that, he was a struggling kind of pastor that had a small uh, church here and there, would would work at these churches for a couple of years and move on. His wife, Kay, was the one who was really interested in the hippies who were up and down the coastal highway out there, and she started to pray for them and tried to influence him to say, hey, you need to welcome these people in because I think God is going to do something with them. And eventually, through his daughter who was dating one of them, he brought a man by the name of Lonnie Frisbee into the fold. Yeah, and and it's it's because he resisted. It, it was not. It didn't seem right to him. These people were kind of. He, he thought of them the same way your dad thought of them, right? He didn't have a whole lot of uh, interest in hippies. But when he met Lonnie, and he saw that that uh, Lonnie loved Jesus in a way that was contagious, and in a way that a lot of his old parishioners people at his church were kind of stuffy and self-righteous and here's lonnie who comes in and he's just all in in kind of this hippie way man it's all about jesus and we got to love jesus and uh, you know at first chuck smith kind of rolled his eyes at this whole thing and then he began to to sense that god was doing something and so he invited lonnie in and people turned up their nose at lonnie being at the church he had lonnie speak and share his testimony and all of a sudden, Lonnie's friends, the the other uh, hippies who who were following Jesus, started showing up at, at this church. And it wasn't long before there were more hippies than there were old stuffy people. And Calvary Chapel began to expand and multiple churches out of that. Today, there are hundreds of Calvary Chapel churches around the world that got planted through Chuck's ministry. And again, Greg Laurie was one of those, yeah. those young people. He Greg wasn't really... Well, he, he he was a kind of hippie. He was on. Right. He was trying to be a, a good kid, but he was also using drugs. And yeah. He shows up at uh, at Calvary Chapel, and God does a work in his life and transforms him. Now, when when Chuck, uh, Chuck Pastor Smith welcomed them in, it was it almost caused a big split in the church. I understand because the stuffy people, as you were calling them, didn't like the fact these hippies were coming in, and they had bells hanging off their bell bell and uh, jeans, and they had uh, they, many of them didn't wear shoes, and they would say to Chuck Smith, "Hey, man, they're coming in here, they're messing up the new carpet." And Chuck says to them, well, then rip the carpet out. You know, we, we're going to welcome right. them in here. If it's between a, a saving a soul and our carpet, let's get all the carpet out of here. I wanted to ask you, since you've seen it, how did Kelsey Grammer do as Chuck Smith? Well, I, I think Kelsey does a great job in the role. I, I think, I mean, when you watch it, you're not thinking Frazier. You're, you're seeing somebody who is, uh, is really embodying this man who is conflicted because he's thinking like, a traditional pastor, you know, this doesn't feel right to me. It's not what I'm used to. I'm, is this professionally, is this going to make sense? Am I just going to be in trouble? And finally he says, I've got to, I've got to put my professional side of this. uh, I got to set that aside and say, is God doing something here? And if God's doing something here, that's where I want to be. And so that's where, and, and, and Kelsey steps into that, really does a great job in the film. Bob Lapine is joining me. We're talking about the Jesus Revolution movie, that which opens uh, nationwide today, and uh, the, the influence on the music as well. I mean, you know the, these musical artists. You know them personally. You have met, met yeah. them and, and been with them and made music with them and interviewed them, all the way from Chuck Gerard and Love Song, who, by the way, if anybody wants to see Love Song in that time, it's on YouTube from St. Mary's, or, or, or from, yeah, uh, from Trinity University. They 
came here in the early 70s, Love Song did, and they did a concert, and it's actually on YouTube, and you can watch it, and I encourage you to do so. But they really changed the music in the church at that time. Uh, that movement did. It, it moved more toward the praise and worship, as we would call praise and worship type music, uh, and away from some of the, the hymns. Is that right? Oh, it, absolutely. It was the birth of what became known as contemporary Christian music, and it was taking the modern uh, idiom of the day, pop music, the, the same, you know, people were listening to Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and the Eagles, and and uh, all of this, and, and along come these hippies, and they say, well, we like that music, but let's sing about Jesus. And so Maranatha Music, which was born out of Calvary Chapel, they started putting scripture verses to pop melodies, that became the praise and worship movement, but you love song. My, my friend, Bob Bennett, yes. who uh, we had, we, we brought him to San Antonio mm-hmm. to concerts with Bob. Bob was right in the, the midst of that recorded an album in the early seventies, uh, through Calvary chapel. And, uh, yeah, as, as you said, this, this was an explosive time for what it, people today know, Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith and some of the big names mm-hmm. in contemporary Christian music, but it all got its birth. Uh, back in the early 70s, and Calvary Chapel was one of the places where contemporary Christian music was born. I'm going to take a break. When we come back on the other side with Bob, we're going to continue our discussion. The, the movie opens today, Jesus Revolution, but I want to talk about where we are today now. Uh, get away from the movie a little bit, because we're starting to see, I think, maybe, possibly, the as, as Bob said a second ago, the same time frame and the same type of pressures is on life right now, and are we seeing the birth of another movement that's happening right now. That's coming up when we come back. Trey Ware, KTSA. Do you know what people see when they Google you? Search. Are you feeling funky? Well, good for you. It's also Red Friday. Remember, everyone deployed by wearing red today. It's a 622 Trey Ware, KTSA, visiting with my friend, my spiritual father and mentor, Bob Lapine. From KSLR at that time, Family Life, author and pastor in Little Rock, Arkansas, the voice of the Alistair Begg ministry, and on his uh, resume goes. But also... Uh, an expert in contemporary Christian music. It's Foundations, which began in California with the Jesus Revolution, and that movie comes out today, and I can't wait to get out there and see it. But, Bob, I wanted to talk about what we've seen in the past few weeks that's been developing across the country, and I don't know where to put all this, so maybe you can help me. Asbury College, you got Lee's University that picked up on it, and now A&M this week here in Texas. You got high schools here in Texas where kids un, uh, uh, unled, no, no, no pastor, no leader. They're just showing up and beginning to hold hands and pray and talk about Scripture. Is this a, a Joel move moment that we're seeing here? Or what's going on? Well, you, you know, we're, we're looking at this with, with excitement. I mean, we have seen this feels very similar to what was going on in the United States in the middle of the countercultural revolution that's depicted in the movie Jesus Revolution. At a turbulent time in American history, God sends his spirit in and does a work that the question people are having, is this a revival that we're seeing, like the the, the great uh, awakenings that happened back in the early parts of American history, like what was happening in the 70s, which many people would look at and say that was a revival movement. Are we seeing that again? And and time will tell whether it's, yeah. whether it's a revival, because when a revival happens, people's lives get turned upside down. But what we're seeing right now is people saying, I am... I'm desperate yeah. for God in a way that I haven't been before. It's happening among students, and uh, it is starting to spread. And a lot of us are looking at this and saying, it, it, God's up to something. This could be a revival, and, and we want to pour fertilizer on it and say, uh, your impulse is right. The, your, your spiritual need is real, and turn to God and cry out to God and let's see what God's going to do in the midst of all of this. And create opportunity, right? I I think that's what the movie, I I don't know, again, I haven't seen it, but on all my studies, uh, going back to Chuck Smith and Calvary Chapel for just a minute, he created the opportunity. In other words, he opened the door and said, here, uh, move, and and then basically he got out of the way. So it was one of those deals where you, you create that opportunity or you open the door, and as you said, pour fertilizer on it, but God's going to do what God's going to do, and if this is... If this is truly revival, we're saying it's super exciting about that because if we need anything in our time, and that's what I keep saying on this show, we talk about contemporary events, politics on this show, but I also say the first thing that we need to do is pray that uh, people's hearts and minds are changed by Christ, and that's exactly what has to happen before anything else can move. Well, I'll tell you what's interesting. I, I had the opportunity 
two years ago to sit down with John and Andy Irwin, who are the filmmakers who made this movie, Jesus Revolution. And they had just come out with the movie, I Can Only Imagine. Uh, they followed that with a movie called I Still Believe. And then last year did the Kurt Warner story, American Underdog. And I said, so what are you guys looking at making? And they said, we want to make a movie about the Jesus Revolution. What happened in California in the 70s? And, and they said, we want to make that movie because we need to see that happen in our country again. Yeah, we need right. to see God move like this in our country again. So it's fascinating to me that the weekend that their movie is coming out, we've been seeing this kind of spiritual renewal. These guys have been praying for this. This is not just a movie for them, but this is the burden of their heart to see God move in our country in a way. Trey, I've been praying for years saying the only hope our country has left is for there to be a spiritual turnaround because we are on a fast track in the wrong direction in our country. And if, if God doesn't do a movement, I fear for where we end up. So that's as we look around and see God appears to be moving, this could be what we've all been praying for. Amen. Well, you're, uh, you know, uh, Greg Laurie says, buy two tickets, one for you and one for an unbeliever, and, and take them to the movie, which opens today. And, again, of course, Bob's books are available at Amazon. He's a pastor in Little Rock. What's the name of the church up there, Bob? Is it Redeemer? Redeemer Community Church. Yeah. By the way, I preached on this subject on what's going on with Revival last Sunday and got a great response from my people. So if folks are interested, they can go to RedeemerLR.org and look at last Sunday's sermon and, and hear my thoughts on what's going on in this reviving movement. And his books are at Amazon.com, and of course his podcast is out there too, which I listen to, and it's wherever you get your your, uh, your podcast. Bob, I appreciate your time this morning, and let's do this again sometime. Let's not make it another 30 years though, okay? <laughs> love you, man. Good to talk to you. I love you too, Bob. Bob Lapine joining me here on KTSA. Now, when we come back in the next half hour, we'll be talking about the city charter changes they're trying to make and how it affects business. We'll talk about that coming up. Trey Ware, KTSA. Hey, it's David Van Camp. I'm here with you. Uh-oh. Something smells. Sort of fishy. <laughs> Something smells a little fishy. So, these are those nerds from Vermont, known as fish. That's the group. Uh oh, there you go. It's Funky Friday. We're about to get funky. That's good, man. Yeah. That's funky. I've probably seen them live have four you really? times, have maybe. You? Yeah. Who haven't you? You know, it's a shorter list if we say, who haven't you seen? <laughs> I, I have not seen John Mildenkamp. Oh, okay. Well, there but you I'm, go. That'll change Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you'll be It'll Sunday. be at the Majestic Sunday. And we're, so you won't be that, here so. Monday, is that right? No, I'll be here Oh, Monday. my gosh. Yeah. I can't believe that. Man. Yeah. Ooh, man, bloodshot eyes and all Monday morning. Yeah, mm. well, it's just like any other morning. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that's a Monday, right? Okay, I'm not going to feel any better. <laughs> that's right. Uh, 6.36 now, Trey Ware, KTSA. You've heard me talking about the changes they're trying to bring to the city charter. and uh, You've heard me talk about my support for law enforcement and business in San Antonio and Bear County. You've heard me talk about how I feel about making crime pay, literally, and going through the various points of this charter change that they're trying to make and the negative impact I believe it's going to have not only on the community, but it's also going to have a demoralizing effect on policing because they're already working on that now, demoralizing our police. But imagine arresting a guy, taking him down, and 10 minutes later he's back on the street. You arrest him again for doing the same thing. That happens. I hear from law enforcement all the time that that goes on right here in San Antonio. But the impact of this on business, because we've seen it impact business negatively in places like San Francisco, now Austin, What's it going to do to business in San Antonio and the San Antonio Chamber of Commerce? And how do they feel about this? Interim President and CEO is Dave Peterson. He's joining me now on the Stevens Roofing Newsmaker Hotline. Dave, thanks for coming on this morning. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Have you guys had a chance to kind of look over the charter change and everything? And, and how do you feel about it? What are your, what's your position on it? We have. And our executive board met last week and uh, discussed it in depth. Uh, and we're working on drafting a policy statement that's going to oppose the uh, the amendment. And really, our focus is, as you've just said, on the impacts to business. It's a very negative uh, effect for business when uh, you know you do cite and release rather than punishment for 
are arresting individuals that uh, that commit these crimes. Yeah, if you go soft on crime, you're going to get more crime. We've seen that all across the country. We see it here right now, and we see an explosion of crime across the country, and that's because we've gone soft. And when you look at things like theft of property less than $750, now they're just doing it for like 150 I spoke with some officers yesterday, but this would kick it up to 750 which would mean and could mean that somebody could walk into a restaurant, Dave, and they could run up a bill of $749, get up and walk that bill, and it'd be sight and release or nothing at all, no no ramification for them whatsoever. That just doesn't make any sense, not only for the safety of the community to me, but it doesn't make any sense for business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, communities, as you pointed out earlier, that have had, had these experiences who'd seen a general rise in crime. And there's no reason to think that wouldn't happen to us. And the response in San Francisco was an increased police presence. So, you know, when people pat, push these things forward and they say, hey, we want to, um, you know, decrease police involvement, all, all you do is drive greater involvement. You know, what happened uh, in places like Seattle is that, you know, I went to, to a Target store in Seattle this past summer, and there's guys in there. They look like they're in military. Well, they are in military where and they've got military style weapons on them and they're walking around with canines in a target and the reason for that is it's so popular now just to walk in they either do smash and grabs or they just walk in and grab whatever and they walk out because they know that nothing is going to happen to them so they have to be they have to prevent it as, as much as they possibly can had the story yesterday same thing in new york where some uh, merchants have gotten together they've banded together and they've hired their their private security with canines to walk around but what about the mom-and-pop shops that can't afford to hire private security? I'm talking about Macy's in New York and stores like that that are affording to do this. They can't afford it when it's a mom-and-pop. That's going to be bad on business, no doubt. Yeah, that's exactly true. And, you know, people sometimes think that, you know, businesses are just raking in the money and, you know, no. getting great profits. But a lot of these are barely getting by. And, you know, what they've seen in communities like San Francisco, Seattle, is, the businesses leave. They say, well, you know, I can't survive, so I leave. And who does that hurt? It hurts the people in those neighborhoods who no longer have access to uh, either jobs or supplies or food or whatever it is that they that these uh, businesses provided. Those are gone, and now they have to go further to get, you know, their needs. Another one of the uh, aspects of this is it puts into force a justice coordinator uh, who basically is in charge. They, they, it really does put them in charge of the police department and, and where police officers will be second-guessing themselves because they're going to have to answer to a justice coordinator who is not anybody with law enforcement. Um, to me, that's absolutely nuts. And what that does is it d demoralizes officers for a couple of reasons. Number one, the one I mentioned in the intro, and that is you arrest somebody, you take them downtown, they're back out on the streets, you arrest them again ten minutes later, an hour later. Three, three hours later, whatever. So you got that. That demoralizes police officers. Secondly, who wants to be second-guessed in their job and have to report to somebody who's not even law enforcement and answer for what they're doing out there trying to fight crime on the streets? And, and again, Dave, being with the San Antonio Chamber of Commerce, you know how important it is for business to have a great relationship with law enforcement and vice versa. Yeah, I, you know, businesses need to know that they can operate in a safe and legal manner and anything that detracts from that is not helpful for either attracting businesses or retaining the businesses that we have and again it leads to those situations where businesses just say i can't operate here and and i have to go somewhere else to uh, uh to function and that damages the community how active will the chamber be in lobbying against this or speaking out against it what are your plans yeah, right now we're working with uh, other organizations that are opposing uh, the amendment, and we're seeing how uh, folks want to come together. We think uh, we think definitely we've got to get the word out uh, to folks that may be hearing, you know, a misguided story about what this will do, um, and make sure it's really clear uh, what that impact will be and how that will affect uh, those individuals. So uh, the exact mechanisms that we'll use uh, aren't clear yet, but we're still looking to see who's uh, who's going to be with us. Great info, Dave. I appreciate your time this morning, and we'll continue to follow this with you guys uh, and do some more interviews and talk about it, because I'm opposed to it, and I want people to know what really is buried in here and the detrimental effects it's going to have on our community and on business as well. So thank you for your time. 
Absolutely. Appreciate the opportunity. You bet. Dave Peterson is the interim uh, president and CEO, San Antonio Chamber of Commerce. More coming up. Trey Ware here on KTSA for my friends at Lifestyles Unlimited. That's Lifestyles Unlimited, where your financial freedom awaits you right now. You know why? You can sit down with Lifestyles Unlimited at life at uh, financialfreedomlivestream.com and they will teach you bit by bit piece by piece how to become a successful investor in real estate now almost anybody can put together enough cash to go out and buy a house or two or whatever and try to rent it out and so on but there is a key there's a mechanism that lifestyles unlimited and financialfreedomlivestream.com opens for you on how you actually begin the very first day to start making money investing in real estate whether that's single family or multifamily properties they have helped thousands of people find their way to financial freedom, and many retire in five years or less. There's a plan for you, and that plan comes from financialfreedomlivestream.com. Here's what I want you to do. Just log on there, financialfreedomlivestream.com. Make sure you use my name. That's where, because you'll get the financial freedom membership. It's regularly $740. You'll get it for only 297 for two years instead of 740 for one year but you got to use my name that's financialfreedomlivestream.com where w-a-r-e hi trey Ware here deets tractor has some crazy deals on mowers hey it's funky friday are you feeling funky today hmm? what you It's also Red Friday, so wear red. Remember, everyone uh, deployed. I I guess everybody went to see Leonard Skinner last night except you and me. Jimmy, did you go? Elaine, did you go? I've been seeing all my friends on Facebook. They were all at Leonard yeah. Skinner last night. Right. Which I also got. I had a big Leonard Skinner moment a couple of years ago where I got into Leonard Skinner heavy and was following all their stuff and yeah. learned a lot about the band and all that kind of thing. They were absolutely Well, they are amazing. You know, but the original Skinner was mm-hmm. phenomenal. Right. But these guys are good. Yeah, they hold it together quite well. Yeah. yeah doing all right. So, I, I don't know if you're seeing it on Facebook, but I'm seeing a million people that were there last night. Yeah, it. I actually had a, a friend of mine say that he was, um, he, I can't remember where he, I have to go back and look. He said he was somewhere, and he goes, you know, sometimes you're talking to people and you don't realize they're famous and it was Van Zant. He was, oh, yeah. He was talking to Van Zant. <laughs> wow. You know? And then he, Van Zant introduces himself. You don't himself get any higher like, than oh, that. Yeah, dang. <laughs> I ran into a guy at a pool one time, and I said, Hi, I'm Trey from Texas. And he said, I'm Billy Powell. And I said, What? Cool. What? It wasn't Billy Powell. He just called himself that. <laughs> oh, it wasn't the Billy Powell. No, oh, no. I'm Billy Powell. I said, oh, well, whatever. Billy's been dead for four years. Yeah. Tell, me, give me, tell me another one. That happens, though. You always run into those people. Yeah. They claim they're yeah, you know, so-and-so. So-and-so is, you know, roadie for whatever. Hey, I go to Elvis every once in a while. Man. Yeah. I'm Elvis. Anyway, okay, I want to run through some of these stories real quick. The Arizona rancher that I've been talking about charged with first-degree murder for shooting that illegal alien on his property. He did post the $1 million bond. He has been released from custody. George Allen Kelly. And Elaine is efforting to get him on the program. George Allen Kelly. It's the man we've been talking about. Who I really want to talk to is this Judge Emilio Velazquez, who's overseeing this case, who's basically thrown the book at a man for protecting his property, protecting his wife, protecting his, his cattle and everything else. And check it out. He set the next hearing for today despite the fact that the defense for Mr. Kelly pleaded for a continuance of 30 to 60 days so that they could confer with experts and gather the forensic and ballistic evidence they say authorities have neglected to process. What are you talking about? Now, the facts of this case, as we know them, would say the first item that you would do is a ballistics test to see if the round that killed the illegal alien on mr kelly's property is from mr kelly's weapon or maybe an ak-47 that mules carrying across mr kelly's property maybe they shot the dude Maybe he was one of them, and he sh- they shot him. But we don't know because the police there. See, this is why this is such an obvious act of trying to frame somebody and make an excuse or a, make a, a, an example out of somebody. 
That's it's such an obvious, such an obvious thing. And for the judge to say, no, you know, you still got to have your hearing on Friday. We're not going to give you the continuance. A continuance is just something that judges pass out like candy at Christmas, man. Because why? Because. It takes a long time to get the evidence and to interview people and do all those things. And if the sheriff and those people down there have not even processed the ballistics, how in the world can you expect a defendant to stand up and say something? Nah, dude's being railroaded, man. He's being railroaded. And remember, was it GoFundMe that they took his account down? Somebody had put up a GoFundMe to raise money for this guy. Well, Christian crowdsourcing site Give Sin Go, they picked it up and they did it. And they were able to come up with the money to get him out. And thank God they got him out. Speaking of Mexico, speaking of illegal aliens, AMLO's at it. I'll try to explain this the best I can, but the way I understand they do their elections down there is they have independent election judges at their polls. Okay? In other words, the administration itself does not run the polling sites in Mexico, and that's to keep it <laughs> legitimate, right? We know that Mexico is a failed state. We know that. We know that the government of Mexico is controlled by the cartels at this point. We know that. It's not an independent state that is independently run. But they had these so-called independents at the various polling sites around Mexico to, quote, add legitimacy to their elections. Well, AMLO came in and the Senate came in and they voted this week to, quote, reform how we do our elections down here. And they pulled out those so-called independents. And now AMLO, the president, can put his own people in there and that way he can control and now appoint He'll appoint all the governors in Mexico, and he will basically appoint his successor when that day comes. So all you got in Mexico is a failed state. We saw this in Colombia. We've seen it in so many other countries around the world where you know the cartels come in and they take over. And now you've got it just to the south of the border. Why is that important to us? Well, number one, it's just to the south of the border, right? It's right there. I'm pointing at it. But number two, um, it's going to cause more of a humanitarian issue with people streaming across the border to get into the United States. And you got a bunch of gutless wonders in Washington, D.C., who aren't going to do anything in the world to try to stop the flow of people who are going to continue to come across the border. And while we've been looking at train wrecks, and while we've been talking about Ukraine and Joe Biden putting another $2 billion in Ukraine today, and I understand he's... He's looking at uh, Black Hawk helicopters going in there. While all that's going on, we're focused on all that kind of stuff. Guess what? There's still, every single day, tens of thousands coming across our border illegally and putting themselves in our communities, putting their kids in our schools. They are putting stresses on the, on the hospitals here. And this administration, with Alejandro Mayorkas and Joe Biden, are doing anything about it. And what you're hearing now about this whole thing about asylum, it's a false flag. It's not real. What they're trying to do is make Joe Biden look like he's doing something on immigration. But it's not real. What he's doing is preparing for a giant immigration swap it's going to swap people from Mexico back into Mexico. It's going to make him look like he's doing something, but he's not. The door is still wide open, and they're still coming by the tens of thousands. More than 7 million in two years are now here in the United States. We have no idea who they are. We have no idea where they are. They could be, oh, I don't know, Chinese military for all we know. Back in a minute. Ware and Rima coming up. Trey Ware, KTSA. Most professional exterior paint jobs are guaranteed.